Welcome to Last Weekly, where we talk, laugh, and sometimes bitch about the highs and lows of the past week. Except this week. Because we're giving you what hardcore Last Weekly fans have been asking for. Another all-trailer talk special episode. Where we'll be reviewing not three or four, but five brand new trailers. Including Tom Cruise's Top Gun sequel, Maverick. Is Tom taking us on the highway to the dangerously bad sequel zone? Jennifer Lopez and Cardi B's Hustlers. Will we love and hip-hop over Jenny from the block playing Jenny on the pole? And somebody get Idris Elba, Rebel Wilson, and Taylor Swift a giant ball of yarn and a saucer of milk because they're starring in the film adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical Cats. Will this trailer make us want to end all nine of their lives, plus entertainment news, and much more? I'm Kevin Williams, and I'll be trailer talking with my two incredible co-hosts, Anthony Tone Show Nunez. Never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. George Carlin. (laughs) (laughs) That is randomness, people, to the highest degree. All right. And my other incredible co-host, Jerry Nova. Konnichiwa, minasan. What is wrong with you, Rainbow? <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So, what is this a special last weekly episode of? Trailer Talk. Trailer Talk. Trailer Talk. Okay. <laughs> what was going on in the world of entertainment this week, you guys? Alrighty, so Scarlett Johansson, who's no strange as a controversial casting choice, is after being cast as the lead in a 2016 live-action adaptation of the Japanese anime, Ghost in the Shell. A move which at the time some called whitewashing, has yet again found herself in the center of another controversy because of an interview she gave in As If magazine, in which she said, quote, you know, as an actor... I should be allowed to play any person or any tree or any animal because that is my job and the requirements of my job, end quote. This and other comments she made in the magazine about political correctness and art which stoked the flames online with many on social media claiming ScarJo was taking one much-needed opportunities away from the LGBTQA actors. Johansson will later speak further on this through a statement given to the Washington Post where she shared that her comments were, quote, wildly taken out of context, end quote. Something to take note of is that this is all happening after the backlash she originally received from being cast to portray a transgender man in the film Rub and Tub. The 33-year-old actress ended up leaving that role amidst complaints that the casting was yet another example of Hollywood taking roles away from underrepresented communities. In this case, many suggested the role should have gone to a trans actor instead. So what are your thoughts on this? Do you agree with ScarJo that actors should be able to play whoever they want, whatever they want, or no, unrepresented roles in Hollywood should go to those who need them the most in those particular communities? I actually agree with Scarlett Johansson. I look forward to her starring in the Harriet Tubman story. Works to free slaves in the Underground Railroad. <laughs> I'm, it's going to be so good. I I smell Oscar. No, I do not agree with her. This is insanity. 
what really bugs me in the comment that she originally made was this whole, I should be able to play whatever character or tree. As if people were mad about her playing different trees or she was going to try to play the role of Groot. No. The issue is her play. there's very few roles for Asian actors in major motion pictures. There's very few, few roles, even lesser roles, for uh, people in that are transgender. And the idea that insanely attractive, insanely white, insanely young and successful actress should be able to play these kinds of roles and take, and, and take that opportunity from a, a person who actually better would fit that role because that's actually, they've lived that experience, is ridiculous. It's like, how many movies are there made every day starring young white blonde women a skillion how many are there about transgender men like wait one every millennia so the idea that she should be able to play all of those other parts as well as that no you need to have several seats step to the side Go back to count, count all your Avengers money and <laughs> shut the hell up. Well, I have a different uh, take on this. Surprise. I know. <laughs> okay. So I feel like she is a victim to the current climate or the, the what's always been the climate in Hollywood because she is an actor and the job of an actor is to be able to play any role. And so now because of the climate that the people in charge have set up, she is not allowed to play any role that she would like. If there was not this huge disparity um, between people of color, between Asians and people in the LGBTQ community, like if everyone was given the roles that, or if there was an amplitude of roles for everyone to play, no one would have a problem with her choosing the, the previous role in which she got so much black for. Or and, and even if the Harriet Tubman role did come through, I mean, that one seems too far-fetched, whatever. No, that's <laughs> not really it. But the other one uh, where she played the trans, um, the transgender person, like it, I don't think it would be that big of a deal, but she is a victim to the choices of the people at the top. She doesn't get to be the actor who gets to play any role as an actor you want to play anything you want to stretch yourself you want to be able to see what you can do and she does not have that choice because of the choices of the people at the at that are in charge of these freaking these studios so i think she's the victim here and unfortunately other people have to suffer because of the choices of those at the top oh my god boo the freaking who for scarlett johansson <laughs> i didn't say it was a boohoo situation but what i am saying is as an actor you want to be able to take any role you want to be able to stretch yourself it's not her fault that these roles are not being created and when they are they are not being given to people who can fill the role. I, I, I think she's a victim here. No, she's not, she's not a victim. She's also, she's part of the cause of this because when they offered her the role of Ghost in the Shell, she should have said, no, this is an Asian character and I'm not going to play it. No. I'm in, I'm in 800 <laughs> other movies as we no. speak. So let I, this, that's let not her this, fault. Let this one character that happens to be an Asian woman be played by, guess what? An Asian woman. 
she is a victim of the climate because if there were lots of other um, roles for Asians and Asians being cast, she would be allowed to get an Asian role to play to see if she could stretch herself. What if she is like one of the biggest ghosts in the in the freaking shell fans out there on the planet and she gets offered this dream role and she has to turn it down because of her skin color? Well, I'm sorry. Well, I don't agree. Apparently, you haven't seen the movie, Sherry, because... I've go- seen the movie well, a it, thousand it, times. Well, it may have been a dream role, but it was a nightmare to watch. I loved it. I'm not saying it's the best that it, that was possible for that movie to be made, but what I am saying is that I did love it, and I've watched it a thousand times. Wow. Okay. And, and you know what? If it, if it, and, and, and if it had starred an Asian woman, you would have watched it 2,000 times. It been that awesome. may or may not be correct, but I don't currently good. know. <laughs> All right, I am not saying she's like a boohoo story, but I am saying she is a victim as well as everyone else to the climate. And as an actor, she now cannot choose roles because other people are not choosing to create roles for people who are, um, who are Asian and minority and LGBTQ. And so she cannot play any other roles because of her race. I, I don't agree. Well, I feel bad that she's not paralyzed because she can't play quadriplegics without getting flack from people. So I really feel bad for her. Anyway, uh-huh. what do you think, Tone? Well, I'm going to add some color to the discussion. Let's ask, this, 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 this is a multifaceted issue. And it's interesting that you uh, mentioned someone who was physically um, challenged because Brian Cranston recently got a lot of flack for playing a character in The Upside. Uh, who was in a wheelchair, and a lot of people say, well, Brian Cranston, you should step aside and let someone who's actually in a wheelchair play that character. And I do I do believe that these that characters in an unrepresented community should come from that community, but I really think as we all need to take a step back and see that we're putting the onus on this on the wrong people. I kind of agree That's with Sherry, that Sherry is correct about the fact that it's not really ScarJo's job to say no. Let's say you're a, you're a bench warmer and your whole job is to warm the bench. And one day the coach looks at you and says, you know what? I think you can score this. And the coach puts you in. It's not your job as a player to say, no, coach. Oh, okay. oh no, 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 no. I'm sorry, Tone. I got to interrupt you. I am sorry. I got to break in here. Scarlett Johansson is not a bench warmer. If there was, if there was, a, <laughs> if there was a no-name actress out there that, that was, like, insanely white, and they're like, can you play this Asian woman? And she's all like, put me in, coach. Then I could, I could look the other way on her case because she's got rent to pay. Scarlett Johansson owns several mansions. She is doing quite okay. So if she turns down an Asian role or the role of a, a quadriplegic or she turns down the role of a transgender person and gives it to a transgender person, she will be quite okay. So it is not the same. So don't put, don't use your put me in coach kind of crap on this case. Well, it is not the same thing. And it, no one's putting, putting Brian Cranston in coach either. Brian Cranston is doing just fine. That movie also had another character that was going to star in it that uh, like Kevin Hart, who was actually a name marquee person. They always they always claim that, well, the reason why we don't do it is because there's no quadriplegic person who's a big movie star. It's like, well, you're not putting any quadriplegics in any movie, so how can there be a quadriplegic movie star? Exactly. It's the climate that's the problem, not the actors. If I can finish my analogy. Please finish. I was trying, the, the, what I was, the point I was getting to, Kevin, was that it's not the player's fault. The, the, the problem was with the game and the coach. We're, we should be looking at casting companies and the people and the producers of these films, not the actors. Every actor is always going to want to play whatever role is available. We need to look at the people who are making the movies and are actually choosing to cast these people. And as Kevin pointed out, it's all a business decision. It comes down to ones and zeros in this. And if your actor is not able to bring a certain audience, they're not going to be casted regardless of their race 
or gender. So we need to start at the beginning and say, you know what? Movie companies like Warner Brothers or Universal, whoever's making the movie, Disney, they need to open this conversation up behind closed doors and say, you know what? We need to start casting moving forward in a way that fits, helps everyone. And then not put the onus on the actors. I really think Scarlett Johansson and Brian Cranston, yes, they're incredibly successful. And I do think they should allow other people to take those roles. But oddly enough, and I don't think it's a coincidence, the role that, that, that Scarlett Johansson turned down in Rub and Tub, they're not making that movie anymore. So when you mm-hmm. take away the actor who's bringing in the audience, it kind of creates a situation where no one's represented because there's no movie. Okay, well, first of all, <laughs> I, 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 I think you can basically do both. I'm not saying that, that the onus isn't also on movie studios and directors and casting directors. I can be mad at them as well as Scarlett Johansson and Brian Cranston. <laughs> I can boycott both that movie studio and Brian Cranston and Scarlett Johansson. Both are true. I can't believe you guys can't see that. That they that when they're in the position that they are in being movie stars, they can shine a light. Scarlett Johansson could basically say, you know what, I don't want to play that character, but there is a lesser character that is a female, and to shine a light on this story, I will play her best friend or something, the, the, that transgender character's best friend or something like that. Somebody, a, a character that's cisgender, she could play that character and still shine a light. The whole thing with the Brian Cranston movie is that character was a quadriplegic, but there was another other characters in that movie, including like Nicole Kidman, that were able-bodied that could have been played by yes, Nicole Kidman and Kevin Hart. So you would have still had stars in that movie um, had uh, had uh, he stepped aside and let an actual quadriplegic play that role. When it comes to physical disabilities, my feeling is this. If the character um, at the beginning of the story is able-bodied and then they become paralyzed after uh, being in an accident or in a war or something like that, then it's fine to have an able-bodied care actor play them. But if the character is, is disabled from start to finish, that should be played by an actor who actually has that disability. And until we get more colorblind casting across the board where uh, there are basically black versions and, and Asian versions of Scarlett Johansson starring in every freaking movie that comes out, then I will, be, I will look the other way and be completely cool with Scarlett Johansson, and I will go support her when she triumphantly plays Harriet Tubman. So for Scarlett Johansson and Brian Cranston, I do not believe that getting these roles is about getting a paycheck, which is what you said for someone else. It's about exploration. It's about pushing the envelope. It's about what you got into acting originally to do. Why would they say no to that? Why would they turn that down? And as you probably do know, Kevin, usually these movies only get greenlit greenlit when they attach a name to it. So if Scarlett did not say yes to getting the role of um, a major in Ghost in the Shell, how many people on that set who were in the creation process would not have gotten that paycheck? The, getting all those paychecks that they got to take home to their family. So Scarlett, doing what she got into acting to do, created so much income for people all around the world, all the way down to the person who's getting a coffee for the directors, all the way to the person who's doing the lights, all the way to the person who's doing the editing, all the people who are doing the, doing the distribution all over the world. So it's not so black and white. She's doing it for what she got into the business to do. She's not the problem. The problem is the climate. The problem is the game. 
No, she's a part of the problem, and she didn't create that many jobs because it was a box office bomb. How many people did she get <laughs> fired by being in that movie where she shouldn't have been, and they should have had an Asian actress in it? So, yes, she hurt a lot of people taking that role. Thank you very much. No, it she- got greenlit, so yeah. people got paid. Yeah, people got paid, but people also lost jobs when those movies, so you'll lost money making that piece of crap. And that's why people <laughs> lost their jobs, and they're still b- bitter at Scarlett Johansson for making that movie in the first place, as am I. Disagree. Wow. And, and, and if you want to stretch as an actor, you know what? Go make a play. Go, uh, go do Summerstock or something. Do not take role. The one movie that came out in the last 20 years starring a quadriplegic should not be starring somebody who can walk. I don't understand how you guys can't see that. This is crazy. We didn't say that. We said that the, the big issue is the... Yeah, the movie makers, the, the movie industry. That's the problem. I do think, though, Kevin has a point. All these actors could be allies, and they could say, hey, I'll play the buddy or I'll play the, the person next to the character. But honestly, we're also asking them then to be something that they're not. And Right, uh, it's not oh, their decent job. Decent people. Yeah, it's not, their, it's not their job to be decent people. <laughs> and it's not their job for me to go and support their crappy films. No, I, they can be allies. And if and, and the whole idea that Scarlett Johansson is, is important, if it's important for her for that story to be told in Rub and Tug, then it should be important enough for her to be in it and not play the central character. But it isn't that important to her. It's only important for her if she thinks she can smell an Oscar out of it. Yeah, all right. So, okay. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Black Widow. Whatever your name is, over to the side. All right. So, what's our next? What's the next story? So, we recently discussed right here on Last Weekly that there's going to be one last Game of Thrones panel happening this week at San Diego Comic Con. And aside from your favorite Game of Thrones cast members, which will be there, the creators slash writers of the series, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, were supposed to make an appearance at the panel, to everyone's surprise, of course, because everyone was looking forward to see what type of reception that we're going to get from the audience, being that the ending of the series to this day is very disliked in a lot of fan circles. Well... We won't have to wait anymore to see what's going to be the reception because David Benioff and Mr. Weiss have canceled. As for an HBO rep, because of production and scheduling, they will not be appearing at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, this is, was an interesting situation, by the way, because the production, uh, the productions usually of a show show up at Comic-Con to promote an upcoming production or a project that's in the works. But this was a case of a post panel. So it was interesting in that. And also in related Game of Thrones news, um, the show got nominated for 32 Emmys. Say that loud. Wow. So are you guys surprised that they decided to dip? Or you, you're like, no, I, I'm crazy. It's crazy that they signed up at the first place. Okay, yeah, I, I'm going with the latter because if you go back and listen to the tape, I was like, what the hell are they? Why would they go? <laughs> oh, my God. Because if I was, if I had uh, 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 Comic-Con tickets, I'd be there with a torch and, like, get them. <laughs> so, <laughs> because they totally effed up the final season of Game of Thrones. And they know they did. I can't even believe that for a second it was even thought that they would show up. Because what you were saying, Tony, is this is different. Normally, they come to Comic-Con to plug something that's coming out, not something that's already happened. This is strictly a curtain call. Mm -hmm. This is a chance for the actors to come out one last time as a group and say, you know, to the fans... Thank you so much for supporting Game of Thrones. They take a bow. We all cheer. We all we brush away a tear as um, Arya hugs us. That whole thing. But as far as the creators of the show and the ones who wrote those incredibly horrible scripts that just botched everything in coffee cups and 
water bottles and shots <laughs> and everything that were just so lazy, just beyond just, oh, my God. So that those, yeah, we're not going to be clapping for them. So they were smart not to attend, even though, oh, my God, I was, I was like, oh, please live stream it. I need, I need to see them get all the, all the vitriol they so richly deserve. But um, sadly, we won't be getting, getting a chance to see that. Mm, so sorry. This was a Kevin. victory lap. I think Kevin hit it on the head. This was supposed to be a victory lap for everyone. It's supposed to be one last bow, everybody, and uh, and I think it, it was it was going to be great for the fans. But I was really surprised that they were going to show up. And you know what? I, I don't want to take away from th- these are the creators. They gave us a, they gave us a, an amazing eight seasons. Even though the no, oh no, they gave us an amazing <laughs> set. They gave us an amazing seven seasons. I would give uh, you are, that. Are you not entertained though? Because come on, it was re- it, it, as as bad as it got. It was entertaining. We had a lot to talk about. Come on. Oh, okay. If we're gonna basically talk about the the um, how much we have to talk about something, that we, I gotta give it up to Scarlett Johansson and Ghost in the Shell <laughs> because <laughs> she gave us so much to discuss. I also have to give it up to her for saying that she'd be in Rub and Tug because she gave us so much to talk. About so, no. that's, what do you think, that, Sherry? That's what we're grading <laughs> it now. Um, for my two cents, which I'm only allowed to have one of, uh, because I haven't watched all of it because I'm not a real fan. Um, wow. I am also surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised that they didn't show up. I was surprised to hear that they were going to. That seems like not a smart idea because, um, I think people can be, you know, brave in a crowd. So um, I'm not surprised at all. I don't know if I'm allowed to feel that way. Yeah, you're allowed to feel however you want to feel. But one thing I do want to say <laughs> that really bugged me um, is I just found out that we talked about all the Emmy nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, the actress who played Brienne of Tarth, I can't remember what the actress's name is. Do you know her name by any chance offhand, Tone? Uh, I know exactly what to talk about. Her. The name is not coming, but I can Google fingers. Well, well anyway, uh, Brienne of Tarth, HBO, when they were submitting all the different actors and all the people behind the scenes for potential Emmy nominations, did not uh, submit uh, the actress who plays Brienne of Tarth. So she basically uh, submitted herself. And good thing that she did because she did snag a nomination. Again, I've said this so many times. What the hell are you thinking, HBO? What the hell? And so you screwed her over. You screwed fans over. Not only did the, the – it actually was a seven-season show. You actually broke broke the seventh season into two parts, made us wait an additional two years to get the final chapter, and then you rushed through it in a, at breakneck speed and had characters doing things that don't make any sense just for the sake of time. It just – beyond the rage oh please let me bump into one of the creators of of of, uh, game of thrones at a trader joe's because it'll be on it will be you people will see me on tmz being arrested (laughs) as they drag me (laughs) for attempted murder We'll have so much to talk about that week. You will (laughs) and you'll you'll be able to thank me for it like kevin gave us so much to talk about with that attempted murder Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. So she was incredible as Brienne of Tarth in the final season. And um, I'm so glad that you got the Emmy nod. But no thanks to HBO. 
Hilarious. So, Sherry, can you share the next story with us? More than a week after Nicki Minaj pulled out of appearing at Saudi Arabia's Jeddah World Fest, Janet Jackson, 50 Cent, and Future were just added to the festival's lineup. The artists were pictured on the festival's website, along with previously scheduled performers, Chris Brown, Tyga, and more. Organizations like the Human Rights Foundation urged Minaj to withdraw from the festival hosted by a country that restricts free speech, women's rights, and LGBT rights. After careful reflection, I have decided to no longer move forward with my scheduled concert at Jeddah World Fest, Minaj said in a statement released July 9th. Human Rights Foundation President Thor Halverson sent letters to the newly added performers. It's clear that after losing Nicki Minaj on the basis of Saudi Arabia's regime's atrocious human rights record and their treatment of women and the gay community, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman has chosen to spend whatever it takes to give the appearance that things are normal and that this is just another concert. Halverson said in a statement posted on the organization's website. The statement also references the country's involvement in the murder of the Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. A United Nations report last month cited credible evidence that the Saudi crown prince was involved in Khashoggi's killings. Halverson's statement continued, Saudi is engaged in a sophisticated campaign of distraction. It's baffling to the fans of Janet Jackson, 50 Cent, Liam Payne, and these other artists that despite knowing all of this, they still intend to perform. For years, human rights advocates have asked artists to avoid Saudi Arabia, but in 2019 alone, musicians, including Mariah Carey, Sean Paul, David Guetta, and the Black Eyed Peas have performed there. And K-pop boy band BTS just announced they'll be performing there in October. Should fans drop artists who won't drop the mic on Saudi Arabia? Okay, um, I this is very easy for me because it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about making sacrifices because of uh, being a person, even if you're in a prominent position as an actor or as a musician. You can be an ally for what's good and what's just. And the idea that Mariah Carey needed another check enough to go and perform in a place where women are subjugated the way they are there and the way the LGBT community is treated there, um, especially with, uh, with the fan base that she has, is just it, it, I can't speak to how just stunned I am that they'll do this. A, a lot of artists like this will do this. And I think that they do it because they think that fans or people won't know, won't find out about it, or they won't care. And I have to say, I care. I am so disappointed in Janet Jackson. Honestly, I have no feelings about Tyga. Like, he couldn't disappoint me. Any, like, how is that possible? I'm already disappointed enough. So, yeah. Uh, but when it comes to someone like, uh, uh, like her, I, the fact that Nicki Minaj was actually shamed out of attending there, yet Janet Jackson's going to show up. Um, you know what, Miss Jackson? You are nasty. You are nasty. So, not cool. I don't think this is right. Be an ally for what's good. It reminds me of, there was a thing many, many years ago about do not play Sun City, South Africa during apartheid. And a lot of artists would get huge pay, because of the fact that there were artists that would say no, the paydays were even bigger for the artist who said yes. And I understand it can, uh, it, it may cut, cut into your pocketbook. Even though somebody is rich and famous, they have bills to pay, they have employees. But when you're basically doing it, doing something that hurts people that are actually suffering and you can basically say no and take a stand publicly that you will not support, 
that kind of treatment of women and uh, human rights abuses and the murder of a journalist and that anyway the fact to me be on the right side of history it's so easy when you're a janet jackson uh or you're a a a, a, a liam payne uh or Nicki minaj do the right thing for god and, and i will again i give credit to Nicki minaj uh for doing the right thing and backing out of that just, just for the people at home, let's clarify. Sherry and I both believe that you should be a good ally, and, and when possible, you should definitely help out. But I think this, again, is another case of where we're holding uh, artists at a higher level than the industry. And, when, and in this case, not the industry. We're talking about the U.S. government. The U.S. government is in bed with Saudi Arabia. The, the Donald Trump specifically is in, is in bed with Saudi Arabia, and we're expecting better of 50 cents in Janet Jackson. So it's, it's a really sad situation Ooh. where we're looking to our artists Ooh. and we're looking at 50, get the strap, like 50 would say, and, 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 and looking to them to be the moral high ground when they own our own government is not being morally high. So yes, I completely agree with you, Kevin. Artists should take a stand. But I, I really didn't look at 50 and say, knowing 50, 50 is going to be the one that says, turn down money. And But I think I do think just artists like Janet Jackson is kind of surprising. I was kind of surprised Nicki Minaj did that. And I'm not sure if you know, but this is something that if you, if you look back, a lot of artists uh, time from time to time have to be shamed from performing in certain places. I remember a story with Beyonce. I remember a story with J-Lo where they were, they were going to perform somewhere and there was some type of injustice and her, their fans uh, spoke up and they decided not to perform there. But it happens time to time. And a lot of time, I think artists just don't expect their fan base to be informed enough to bring their feet to the fire. And I think this is a little bit different than the, than the Scarlett Johansson situation because we are talking about uh, injustices where people are actually being hurt. And I really do think that the artists should be more to take the moral high ground. But it is hard because it is against their pocketbooks they're doing this. But again, we're looking at the artists instead of the U.S. government. And sometimes we're, we're looking at artists to do what the job of the industry should be. And in this case, the U.S. government should step up and actually uh, distance themselves from Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. No, okay. Well, first of all, like I said before, back to the Scarlett Johansson story. You can do two things at once. We already, <laughs> we already know how I feel about, about our current president and his administration and the idea that because he gets enriched by uh, uh, the crown prince uh, and he gets complimentary comments uh, from the crown prince, he's absolutely cool with looking the other way about a journalist being murdered. He also refers to journalists as the enemy of the people. So this is not a friend to anyone as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not expecting, again, just like I can, just, in fact, you know what, let me give props to Tyga. I said earlier I could not be disappointed from Tyga because I have no ex- ex- expectations for Tyga, but I have even less expectations for the current president. So yes, do I put Tyga and Fifty Cent on a higher? Uh, do I expect a more from them than a current president? Yes. yes, I expect more from everybody on this planet than the current president because the man is mentally defective, lacks any kind of empathy, anything that doesn't involve him or enrich him or aggrandize him does not matter to him and that the same is true for a lot of other celebrities i'm sure and that's why it's up to us as fans 
to shame them. I agree with you. What you were saying, I was going to mention that too. JLo had to be shamed into not getting those paychecks and uh, from her American by her American fans and um, Beyonce as well. So we have to hold their feet to the fire. That's one of the reasons why this story was is being talked about on our show right now. So you can actually reach out to Janet Jackson's people and all the other artists, especially that of uh, the K-pop boy band uh, BTS. They are absolutely huge right now. Why? I have zero idea. But those of you out there that are fans of theirs, if you're not cool with them performing in a place where women uh, uh, are being treated like animals or pro- uh, property or and where LGBT people are being murdered for just being who they are, mm-hmm. then you let them know. Let them know on social media. Let them know on their websites. Put the word out there, and you can actually change it. Nicki Minaj changed her plans. Other artists have changed their plans once a light was shined. So be a part of the light. Shine that light and shame them into doing the right thing. I personally cannot pretend to know the motivations of the artists who decide to play there. For example, when I think about Janet Jackson, uh, when I think about her personality from what she shows us, she has like a defiant kind of personality. So what if Janet Jackson is going over there in an effort to show women what's actually possible for them, that they get to stand up? What if they want, What if she has the hope that her songs will inspire them to stand up and try to free themselves? What if Janet Jackson decides to donate every penny that she earns from the tour to an organization that's going to fight against the oppression that is happening in that country. So for me, I can't even begin to assume the motivations of these artists as being about money, as being about whatever, because I am hoping that some of these artists have a different idea in mind than what you think. Well, I, I hope that Janet makes an announcement that she's going to be donating all of the money to the human rights campaign or something like that, but I would not. But sometimes it's not even about that. <laughs> she could just do it on her own. Sometimes people do good things without talking about it. Like I just recently learned that Bernie Sanders met with Sandra Bland's family and never told anybody about it. The family eventually told about the fact that he met with him, but we never knew he did that. Do you know how good that would have been for his campaign? Like sometimes people do good things and they don't share it with the world. But so. but 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 also, but you're doing a bad thing and sharing that with the world, Sherry. That's the difference. The difference is <laughs> what the difference is why going to Saudi Arabia and performing. That is sending a message. That's saying that you are okay with this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. When you go and appear uh, uh, during apartheid uh, in a place where uh, where people of color are segregated out, you're saying that you're supporting that. You're tacitly supporting it, Sherry. You can't be like, well, I'm going to go there and tell them, you know what, be nicer to people of color and, just like, and give me my check while you're at it. No, <laughs> you basically say, no, thank you. I will not appear in a place that does that kind of, that treats people like that. I will not be a part of it. Thank you. You can keep your money. That's what a decent person does. And if you're not a decent person, then we will shame you into being decent because we will not support you here in the States. I acknowledge how it looks, but I also know that sometimes things are not what they appear to be. So I just kind of am am leaving space for those who actually may have something different in mind. Well, again, Sherry, you are the koala <laughs> of the group. I, you're so huggable and sweet. I just, I wish that, I wish that the Janet could hear this, and she would be feel, feel so shamed by your childlike, innocent view of her <laughs> that she would actually do the right thing. Oh my god! I right, believe. Listen. 
Oh my God. I believe that Janet is not our future. She won't teach us well or lead the way. All right. So, Joan, what's our next story? So, Netflix is usually in the news, guys, because they they have a lot of firsts, especially good firsts. And, and if you've been paying attention, Stranger Things Season 3 is on fire. But. I thank you. <laughs> but this week, <laughs> they were not in the news for good reasons. They were in the news for the quite opposite because Netflix, for the first time since 2011, the streaming giant actually lost paid subscribers in the United States. The news caused their stock to drop a little over 10% on Thursday. And the company stock, though, it's up 20% for the year. But that 10% dip that we're talking about equals to over $16 billion in market value oh for the company. Oh, my God. I was Sorry. like, oh, my God, too. <laughs> so. So Netflix target um, for this for this second quarter was five million subscribers, and they only ended up with two point seven million subscribers, which would make any YouTuber happy. But in the case of Netflix, this was a big loss. Interestingly enough, this is the same quarter which Netflix applied their price increase. But the streaming giant said this was not a factor that the, they believe what happened here was that the original programming did not drive the subscriber growth that they expected. The story was trending online. And it, it's it, I find it very interesting, and I want to talk about it here with you guys because we a lot of times we we talk about stories that are in front of the camera, like this Janet Jackson story or the story with ScarJo. But behind the camera, things that are happening behind the curtain are more and more becoming entertainment news. So, what do you guys think about the subscribers not being hit by Netflix? I I think it's really very convenient for Netflix to say like, oh, the fact that for the very first time in history um, we lost subscribers. And it just happens to be exactly that we raised rates. And it, those two things don't have anything to do with each other. <laughs> That's just like, you know what? Tone just started bleeding. But the fact that I stuck a knife in him when he did, those are completely unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> the bleeding and the stabbing. Who says that they have anything to do with each other? Is absolutely ridiculous. Of course that had something to do with it. Correlation um, you know, doesn't equal causation is what they're trying to say. But I think oh, it's it, wrong. <laughs> yes, in this case, it's wrong. Yes. I, I No, that, it always isn't the case. But in this case, it's absolutely correct <laughs> that these two things do have something to do with each other. I think you'd have to have rocks in your head not to think that they do have something to do with each other. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they actually went out of their way to say that it had nothing to do with each other <laughs> make, lets you know that that's exactly what it has to do with. When a corporation says, don't look over there, look over here, you look over there. That's where you look. <laughs> over there. That's where it's all going down. Over there. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that's that's absolutely part of it. But there's another part of it that I think that Netflix is probably too stupid to realize. And if they listen to last weekly, each week I try and school them on what to do, but you they do. don't listen. You do, so Kevin. One, for one more time, I'm going to give you guys a chance to understand what's happening. <laughs> what, you, what used to set you apart from regular network shows was you didn't just cancel things willy-nilly. People didn't get emotionally invested in a show and then have it ripped out from under them out of nowhere mm -hmm. like they do time and time again on network television. But you guys were all like, you know what? Let's do that, too. Let's just cancel things without any kind of notice or any kind of reason. And it's even more of a shock when shows get canceled on Netflix because they don't normally release, uh, release ratings information. So on a network show, you kind of know when your show is circling the drain because you're like, oh, wow, my show was like number 86 this week. 
Doesn't look good. Uh, but so it's an absolute shock when they announced your show has been canceled. So one thing you could do to hold on to people that actually are watching your original content is make an, an agreement with not only the producers of the content, but with the fans of Netflix and say that if a show gets canceled after one, two, whatever many seasons, if it's canceled, there will be, if it's a half hour show, an hour special to wrap it up and if it's an hour drama it will be a two-hour movie to wrap it up they had to be shamed into uh doing a sense eight uh wrap-up movie because the fans of that show were ravenous fans they were so dedicated to the show they canceled it after a after a few seasons it was expensive production i understand why they canceled it but to just rip it out from under everybody was a, was a stupid thing. And also, it basically kills the, the longevity of the show as far as future viewing when something doesn't have any kind of period at the end of the sentence. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, there was a Baz Luhrmann sh uh, TV show they did that was uh, uh, about early uh, hip-hop that was very expensive. They canceled that. No resolution. The, a show that I was a fan of, uh, they canceled with no resolution, uh, was uh, uh, Gypsy. So And it starred Naomi Watts. And so it's just like, what the... What the F? Why aren't you giving us any kind of resolution? So do that, and then maybe people will, A, tolerate the price increase because it's only going to get worse for Netflix um, because of their success. So many other companies starting their own streaming services. It was just announced that uh, Friends will be leaving the platform permanently. I was shocked by how many people actually watch Friends on the daily. It's like comfort food, background noise for people. They are constantly watching it on Netflix. I've never seen Friends commercial free, so maybe that would be a cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you better, you better do it quick because you won't be able to do it on netflix for much longer it's going to other streaming services the reason why we lost all of the different marvel shows we're losing marvel movies we're losing disney movies we're losing all the star wars stuff is going to be leaving netflix so you need to hold on to the people that you already have those same people are going to be that are going to be subscribing to google play uh, not google play to disney play so they need to start being more loyal to their fans who actually start watching shows by giving them some kind of resolution. Don't forget about one day at a time. Oh, and one day at a time. They, oh my God, people were so hurt by that. Um, one of the few shows that had a mostly Latino cast, they ripped the rug out from under that with like no kind of how you do or anything, no reach around, nothing. And then, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> no, nothing, no hmm. foreplay, no nothing, no hmm. cuddling after, nothing, no afterglow, nothing. Wow. So, um, <laughs> but that show will, thankfully, for people that are fans of it, is Pop TV has picked it up so you can watch it there uh, for the final season. Oh, and one last thing. What about other shows that we actually did like that are supposed to have another season, like Lost in Space? Um, where the hell is season two of Lost in Space? Will Rob Danger Will Robinson of being in your late twenties when the show comes back? <laughs> oh no! Well, I am a big fan of Netflix, and even I am kind of not on the Netflix bandwagon <laughs> like I used to. It's not exactly the price hike, but that did put a, a bad taste in my mouth. I'm just not finding the content that. Um, I just am not, there's not a lot of content that is currently holding me. Um, the things that I, I loved, uh, I've already watched them. I mean, I love Stranger Things, but like I've already watched all of season three. So, I mean, it's like, I don't know. 
it's not, there's nothing to hold me. And as you pointed out, Kevin, I personally thought that Netflix was a safe space to invest my emotions, but I have since learned that it's no safer than any other network. So that rug has been pulled from under me and I just feel kind of lost. I wonder how many of the the big Netflix fans are just kind of feeling lost as to why they subscribe to Netflix anymore. Just watch Stranger Things and, and then what? And Lost is another show about to be leaving Netflix. So yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. Alright, so what do you think, Tone? I I'm I was kind of shocked that they, they lost numbers, especially since um I thought I thought there'd be definitely be some type of waves on Disney Plus. Um I think that's what they're calling your premieres and Disney streaming service. And we know that um Warner Brothers is doing HBO HBO, what do they call it? HBO Plus or HBO Mega or something? It's it's HBO. HBO and Cinemax uh, uh, Plus or something. There, Everybody's got pluses and plays. I don't know which. I thought to myself, well, once Warner Brothers um, consumes DC Universe and they put all their content with HBO together, we might see some type of waves for Netflix at that point, especially when Disney comes out. But I was really surprised to see that neither streaming service has launched and Netflix already loses subscribers. So they are definitely vulnerable. And I think this, this is probably going to embolden those other streaming services who are already coming. Because they must believe that there is some space for them to, to, to actually exist, for, to be moving forward in this direction. But I was a little surprised about that. And Kevin, I do agree with you. I do think it's spin. I don't think it's a coincidence that you raise your prices and all of a sudden you have less subscribers. So right. uh, this might be causation, not correlation. HBO yeah, Max. Yeah. And, oh, thank you. Thank uh, you. HBO Max for, for Cinemax. But also... Um, the idea that there's always tons of new content coming to Netflix, but how much of the content is the content you actually want to watch? Right. So uh, sometimes less is more. Instead of just basically doing these scatter shots where you just do 800 things, um, do 600 things and have uh, and have them be more focused or whatever. Because I I really do feel that. What, like Sherry said, you get emotionally invested in a show, and after you keep getting the rug pulled out from under you, um, you stop. Uh, you be at least for me, I speak for myself. I become less willing to take a chance on a new thing and start watching it because it's like, well, I don't want to get into this mystery, especially these sci-fi things. How many sci-fi overarching mystery shows have been canceled where there's no resolution and the central mystery of the show is never solved? Like ninety-nine percent. Exactly. And so when I see one that has an incredible looking trailer, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm not getting into this because <laughs> I'm going to be kicked in the kicked in the crotch yet again by another network. So uh, no, thank you. Jessica Jones. Oh, Jessica, oh that's, another, that's another thing. They knew. Well, but, but that's, oh, thank you so much for mentioning Jessica Jones. You're welcome. They knew that Jessica Jones was going to they were going to uh, uh, cancel just Jessica Jones. Yet, they did not have a definitive ending for the show and left fans kind of like, well, what? So, I don't know. I, just, that's really annoying that they can't seem to wrap any of these things up. They could have at least, they could have wrapped up, and that's the thing, they could have wrapped up Luke Cage's story because his story came, all those characters were kind of in the shared, shared universe in New York City. They could have actually kind of put a period and end on a lot of the stories and the hanging, the hanging uh, 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 things hanging in the air, but they chose not to. Why? Again, that is basically flipping off all the fans. You're not hurting Disney by doing that. It's only hurting us. (laughs) No! (laughs) All right. Okay, let's let's sadly go to the next story. (laughs) We just hit a low point there. 
All right, yeah. Kevin, we're about to go to our favorite part of our favorite part of the show. But before we get there, can you please share our signature proprietary last weekly rating system? <laughs> All right. It's incredibly complicated. So let me go break it down for you people. So uh, the first the top rating for a movie would be movie theater. That's if a movie trailer actually did its job. It made you want to leave your house put on clothes hopefully and pay money to see it in a theater if you if they did that then you give that movie a, a trailer a movie theater if the trailer was kind of okay and you might check it out one day on hbo max <laughs> or or on Goo, on disney plus then you give that trailer a netflix while it still exists <laughs> or or if that trailer took three minutes of your life, you can never get back. Then you give that trailer a kill. Natural causes. I don't know what you're doing, Sherry. Natural <laughs> <Okay>. causes. <laughs> so, Tone, what is our first victim? Okay, first trailer is Top Gun Maverick. It's an action drama film directed by Joseph Kaczynski. The film is a direct sequel to the 1986 Top Gun movie. It stars Tom, I'm going to probably fly my own damn plane cruise, Miles Teller, Val Kilmer, Ed Harris, Jennifer Connelly, John Hamm, and Glenn Powell. The movie is by Paramount Pictures and has a June 26, 2020 release date. Kevin, what's the synopsis? Tom Cruise stars in the sequel to the 1986 action drama Top Gun. Top Gun 2 Maverick is called back into action to fight a different type of enemy. Drones. Ooh. So what did you guys think? Sherry? Sure. Okay. I don't know why you guys made me be first on this, but okay. <laughs> so I watched, <laughs> I watched the trailer and um, I'm going to be super honest. I didn't understand what the whole point of the trailer was. Like I was expecting at some point for like some, like for some, I don't know, other country to be invading us or terrorists or something. And he's got to kick into action. And then we get to see him do his stuff. But it was mostly like, Hey, Maverick's back. It's like, well, why do I care? To be fair, I was four years old when the original came out. So maybe I need to watch it again. I don't know, but I am going to say that um, I had a huge crush on Val Kilmer, so maybe, like, I could look up pictures of him online and then just look at him a little bit, <laughs> see how he's aged. But um, for me, this is a, if it's on Netflix, if Netflix exists, and someone puts it on, I'll watch it. Wow. All right. Natural causes. <laughs> wow. Natural causes. What do you think, Tone? Okay, so let me set the scene here, because obviously our millennial co-host kind of butchered this one. <laughs> <laughs> From what I understand, Tom Cruise himself appeared at the end of the Terminator Dark Fate panel at San Diego Comic-Con to premiere this trailer. This is a certain gravitas that goes with this movie, Sherry. And, and, it, and it's particularly because this, this is a property that a lot of us... I was born in 1979, so I understand Sherry probably doesn't have the same connection to this film as a lot of us. Uh, but it, it is a movie that we kind of grew up on. We're talking Top Gun, ladies and gentlemen. So when certain things have to be overlooked in this trailer... And you just got to be happy and surprised and, and just be have a glee that this was released. For example... <laughs> You just gotta be happy. You just gotta go with it. It's Top Gun, okay? 
you got to give certain doubt to this. And for example, the opening of the trailer, yes, it looks awfully similar to the opening of the new Star Wars trailer with the what, Rise of Skywalker with, with the ship approaching Rey. Looks just like that. And yes, the voiceover after a, a little bit, you got to get to the point where like, wow, Ed Harris's character is basically going over all Tom Cruise's character's exploits. And it gets to the point where you're like, damn, Tom Cruise has done a lot. And then it, it climaxes because the next scene you see Ed Harris across from Tom Cruise and you start to realize, damn, Tom Cruise is really old to be flying planes. Like, he's, <laughs> he's 55, 56, something like that. And he's still playing a rogue maverick. At what point do you become like, you're not a rogue anymore? And then across from it is Ed Harris. And I was surprised. I, I thought to myself, Ed Harris looks pretty, really old. Like, they made him look older. I looked it up. Ed Harris is 68 years old. So it's between, it's, I think they have like a 10 or maybe a 12 year age gap between these two men. And it seemed kind of absurd that Tom, he's sitting here talking to Tom Cruise like, hey, you need to fall in line. This man is old yeah. already. Come on. <laughs> yes, like he's just <laughs> coming to that like, conclusion. Like, After all these years. At 68, they, they could have been buddies. <laughs> these guys could have been in the same, in the same squad. So it was, it was kind of ridiculous, but it's Top Gun. So I, I threw that to the back of my head and said, wait a second. There's going to be some cool shots. With planes. But before that, we saw Tom Cruise across the screen because this trailer was all to pay service to Tom Cruise. And I like when, when um, Kevin read the synopsis, he said, Tom Cruise before the synopsis because it's all about Tom Cruise. Sit back, relax. <laughs> it's Top Gun. And there's going to be another trailer where we're going to see the other people in the movie because I'm assuming there's other people in this movie besides Tom Cruise. But I'm just, I'm just happy that that... I'm just happy Maverick is back. I'm, I am. Uh, so, um, where's Highway to the Danger Zone, Kevin? Oh, okay. Oh, wait a second. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, I'm, I'm going to say this is this right now is a movie theater. Just just for nostalgia's sake. Go ahead, Kevin. Wow. Got to let it okay, go. Okay, that was, that was powerful. All right. So um, uh, what you were talking about was ridiculous in the, 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 the opening voiceover. It's like uh, one of the things Ed Harris says is like, uh, you're the only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. <laughs> yet, you can, yet you can't get a promotion and you won't retire. And despite your best efforts to ref uh, uh, despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. Uh, you should be at least a two-star admiral by uh, admiral by now. Uh, yet here you are, a captain. Why is that? Tom Cruise says all surly. It's one of life's mysteries, sir. Oscar, okay. Oscar. <laughs> like, I just like okay, and also I will say, unlike Sherry or Tone, I have zero memories of this movie what? because I've never seen it. I have never seen Top Gun. What? Oh I, have, I have never gotten on the highway to the danger zone. <laughs> Tom Cruise has never taken my breath away. I don't know any, I don't know any other songs from the movie. But anyway, <laughs> so I have I had zero interest in the original, even though everybody for some reason was excited about because they were shirtlessly playing volleyball, <laughs> which is how everybody plays volleyball shirtless. So who cares? Um, anyway, and they even give a little tease in the trailer and the montage of the other people that are under 60 that are in this movie are shirtless, and I still don't care. Um, so <laughs> I will uh, the is as far as in, if you're a fan of like rah rah America first kind of stuff, 
then this is for you because there's going to be all kinds of shots of planes zooming by and and bros hugging with American <laughs> flag blowing in the background, which is, which is great if that's your thing. And it is definitely not my thing right now. So I am giving this a very hard pass. Um, it's like, I guess if, if you're the kind of person that loves Fast and Furious, it's Fast and Furious in the sky this time. So, yeah, it's different because of that. Mm. So, yeah, I, I could care less. So I have to give this an emphatic kill. Somebody get me a knife. Give me my stabbing knife now. Let's let's go. What's wrong with you and Sherry? Highway to the Honestly, danger zone. No, I am surprised that Tom Cruise even did this film because I like generally like his movies. I'm, I'm just not sure what about this trailer. All I have is a trailer to go on, guys. But Nostalgia. based on the trailer, I'm not sure what made him go. Yeah, let's do this. I don't know. Well, well you know, he should have been saying like, yeah, let's do this 15 years ago. Let's, oh, yes. But there was like <laughs> nothing to it. I don't know. We'll have to see more trailers we to have see, to see if something trailer, actually yeah. is going to happen. Yeah. But okay. I think I, I think it's been proven here that I'm going straight off nostalgia and I'm overlooking everything. But if you have no nostalgia, like my co-host, then you're in trouble. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not a, if you're not a fan of the first movie, and that's nothing. And if you're only a fan because of the shirtless uh, uh, volleyball playing, you know that you can watch volleyball all the time. So <laughs> go to go to any beach where people will be playing volleyball. Now they won't be doing it in slow motion, but that's what your phone is for. <laughs> <laughs> Just record it. You can watch it back at any speed you want. Not creepy. <laughs> Hashtag not creepy. <laughs> not at all. All right. So what's our next victim? Okay. Our next trailer is Ode to Joy. It's a comedy film directed by Jason Winner. It stars Martin Freeman, Morena Baccarin, Melissa Rauch, and Jake Lacey. And it's distributed by IFC Films. Kevin, what's our synopsis? In Ode to Joy, Charlie suffers from cataplexy, a symptom of narcolepsy that causes sudden bouts of paralysis uh, whenever he experiences strong emotions, in particular, joy. He develops a variety of techniques to deny himself too much pleasure and happiness, but they're put to the ultimate test when he falls in love. Oh. So what did you guys think of Ode to Joy? I'll go. Okay. <laughs> so I thought the trailer was super cute, super, super cute. Um, I'm not like a big fan of the the main character. I don't know his name. You guys know his name. Um Char- Charlie? He's, 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 he seems really fun in the trailer, but I really like the fact that he keeps going on dates. So we get to see what his dating life is like. I don't know. That seems super interesting to me. Maybe that's the millennial in me. And I'm a huge, huge fan of Marina Beckren. She's so pretty and she's so cute. And it seems like they're going to fall in love. And then like in the end, end up together. And I liked how he thinks that his problem is um, his medical issue, but really it's his mind. I love those kinds of movies, guys. So for me, I'm not going to go to the movie theater, but I will watch it on Netflix within the first week that it comes out, provided that Netflix is available at that time. So, yeah, uh, it's a Netflix for me. The first week it it comes out, <laughs> if it goes on Netflix. What about you, Tone? It's no secret that I'm not a fan of romantic comedies, but every now and then there's an interesting twist that's added to one. 
that pulls me in a little closer and says, hey, Tone, you, would you want to watch this? And that's how I feel about this trailer. Ota Joy has Martin Freeman and Moretta Baccarin, um, two actors who I'm a fan of their work. I think they're great actors. And the trailer manages to capture the, the funny moments that happen in, the, in this movie. And it avoids falling for, like, you know, like the typical, like, um, just lovey-dovey love story. Like, I really think the fact that he has his, um, that he physically cannot handle joy, that's really interesting to me. That's right up there with Shaun of the Dead and, um, and About Time, which I thought was two really interesting uh, romantic comedies. So would I Netflix this? Absolutely. If this was on Netflix, I'd definitely watch it on Netflix. I don't see myself going to a movie theater to watch this. Honestly, I don't think I'm the audience for this, but even in the audience for this, I'm not sure if it's something that they would be pushed to move to see at a movie. I do think it's interesting that um, that movies like this continue to be made, and maybe no, I don't, let me not say I don't. I think it's interesting. I, I appreciate that movies like this continue to be made, even though I'm not a fan of movies like romantic comedies like this. But it's 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 good to know that in this climate that we're in in 2019 with all these blockbuster movies and everything has to have a sequel that we have little small movies like this uh, with a little bit of joy. So I enjoyed it. I think I watch it on Netflix. Sort of joy. What about you, Kevin? Whenever I'm watching a movie or a movie trailer and I see people on a carousel or people at a fair, you may be watching a romantic comedy because <laughs> when, whenever it's romantic, people I, I have to go to fairs and ride carousels and stuff like that together and feed each other cotton candy. So um, the, another thing that that's a, a trope in this that you, I, I got to warn uh, potential viewers um when you hear lines like, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie says to oh, 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 the one, the one line I actually did like from the from the movie that I thought was really funny was Charlie says to his brother because what happens is because he he starts to feel something for this girl, um, he he basically po- uh, points his brother in her direction to be with her, and then when they actually start hitting it off, it's breaking his heart. And so at one point the brother's like, maybe I don't want to see her anymore, and Charlie says to her, uh, uh, don't just throw. Uh, Francesca way uh, so uh, that we never see her again and then he goes I mean you never see her again <laughs> so, <laughs> so I thought that was cute yeah. but the movie the movie has those uh, you, this kind of rom-com always has like friends that, uh, that exist for no other reason than to say lines like uh, uh, you know uh, you can't you can't keep yourself from uh, from loving somebody just because you're afraid of losing them. And your other friend will say something like, uh, "You got to stick your neck out sometime in your life, or life will pass you by." You know, that's, <laughs> those, those friends only exist to say things like that to you. They have no other purpose in your life wow. other than to give you those give you those pep talks that make you run to the airport and beg somebody to not to leave town. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, um, so it, it's one of those kinds of things. Like, I like a rom-com. This is an interesting twist. And it's an interesting enough for me to maybe check it out on Netflix on a very rainy day when nothing else is going on. Wow. Nothing. <laughs> so- <laughs> oh, gosh. So Netflix. <laughs> Netflix, barely. By the, by the, sk- by the hairs of its chinny-chin-chin chin, did it make a Netflix. You're going too far. Uh, all right, so <laughs> what's the next movie, Tone? Okay. Hustlers is an upcoming comedy drama directed by Lorraine Scarfaria based on the New York Magazine, based on the New York Magazine article The Hustlers at Scores by Jessica Pressler. Um, the film stars Jennifer Lopez, Constant Wu, Kiki Palmer, 
Julia Stiles, Lily Reinhardt, Lizzo, and Cardi B. The film is a Sticks Entertainment film and it's scheduled to be released September 13, 2019. What's the synopsis for this one, Kevin? All right. Hustlers follows a crew of savvy former strip club employees who band together to turn the tables on their Wall Street clients. So <laughs> the end. <laughs> like a lot of people, when I heard that Jennifer Lopez was in a movie about strippers, I, too, was very excited to watch the trailer. And in the words of Philip DeFranco, strictly for science reasons, okay? <laughs> uh, but no, but being from the Bronx and being of Dominican heritage, of course I wanted to support a project that features Latin-talented uh, women like Jennifer Lopez. And even Cardi B, who we've discussed here, has a knack for creating problems for herself, even her. But watching this trailer for Hustlers, I just couldn't get into it. It's like it's like they assembled, they assembled a great, um, talented cast, a very diverse one at that. But it was very hard because the way that the trailer was cut, it, it was cut in a way that they were trying to go for like an aggressive urban mood. Like even in the music, you can tell that. And the way the scenes were cut and the pacing, it, it was like saying, hey, this is for the male gaze. But by looking at the people they casted, this is not for the male gaze. It's like the movie was casted for a female audience, but the, the trailer was cut for a male audience. So even You though, hate that tone. I know I hate that. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all over it, 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 I couldn't get into it like it, there was something in the back of my head telling me that hey this is not right and, and I feel like um, they're, they're trying to basically get everyone and, and that's a mistake this movie should either try to go after the, its particular audience which with a cast like the one that it has I feel like a lot of um, ladies might be interested in watching this but it, this is not Magic Mike this is a stripping movie but it really doesn't have like that hey like this is a stripping movie guys let's check this out mood so I'm really split on it. I feel like if you do go when this movie does come out, that the trailer probably is not selling you the movie that you're thinking you're gonna go watch. So it was very hard to get into it. So for I, I'm not I'm not even gonna give it a rating honestly. I'm gonna wait till the next trailer because I feel like this is a case of there are probably um switch and bait or is it bait and switch? Oh no uh, uh, no 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 rewind remix. You are gonna give this. This is a trailer talk special. You're not going to not give it a rating. You're going to give this trailer a rating. And then if another trailer comes out, then you can come back and review that one. But we're reviewing the trailer we saw. So give it a rating. That's Even if for. I don't Thank feel the trailer you. was genuine, I could give it a rating. Yeah, you can give it a rating of not genuine, which means you want to kill it or something. But yeah, you can't be like, oh, my, I'm going to pass. No. You see that? I'm trying to help Jennifer Lopez out here, Kevin. Um, I'll, I'll, You're forcing his hand. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'll say Netflix for now, but with the possibility of a movie theater, if the next trailer shows up to be better. But I really don't think they're selling us the right movie with this trailer. Did you guys feel the same way? Okay, the funny thing is, when you were t talking, I, I wanted to... I, this is one of the things I was going to say about it, was that this absolutely... Uh, this movie has something for everyone. Uh, it's a heist movie uh, that has J-Lo on the pole. It's female <laughs> empowerment and clear heels. So it's, just got, it's got something for absolutely everybody. And the, the trailer begins with just showing J-Lo's like, this is how all you do all these different spins on the stripper pole. Just like, it's literally like by, by about 20% of the trailer is just her spinning around on a stripper pole. So... Um, yeah, but it's but it's also supposed to be empowering because um, uh, one of the girls at the beginning of the trailer uh, uh, has to give, like,
like uh, more than half of her money that she's earned to the club owner. And she says, I just want to take care of my grandmother and shop every once in a while. It's like, oh, you have a sick grandmother and you're and you're stripping for her. <laughs> yeah, you you need a hug. So, um, yeah, it, it's trying to be everything for everybody. It's going to be like, yeah, it's like, let's all stand band together as women and we're there for each other. We got each other's back. Oh, and by the way, we're, we have each other's backs. We're also wearing thongs. So everybody <laughs> wins. Everybody wins. So I will give this, I have to say, I will give this a Netflix because I'm actually curious about how it ends. The, the trailer basically told the bulk of the story, but it doesn't say exactly, do they get away with it? Do they end up getting out of jail? That's I actually am curious to see if they do. Okay, so JLo is really beautiful for starters. And I wonder how hard she works to look so ageless. Or maybe it's like just gen- genetics. I'm not really sure. As one YouTube comment put it, uh, the husband's got magic mic and the husband, I'm sorry, the wives got magic mic and the husband's got hustlers. So, um, I mean... It looks exactly as you guys have described it. It looks kind of exciting. I would watch it on Netflix if somebody put it on. Uh, I don't... If if, <laughs> if somebody put it on... If, I, if I'm being held hostage and I'm tied to a chair and in front of a television and my captain turns it on, I'll watch it. Well... No, it's not. It's not that bad. But like, if I'm sitting there and someone's like, "Oh, this looks interesting," and they press play, you know, and so I'm sitting there, you be like, "You won't close your eyes." <laughs> oh god. Correct. I will not close my eyes, but I my head will turn in the direction to get a better view if my view is a little obscured. So um, obstructed. So I will. I will look. That's a ringing endorsement if I've ever heard <laughs> one. <laughs> oh my! They're gonna put that on all the posters. <laughs> I won't turn my head. <laughs> but no, seriously though, Sherry, as a lady, did um, did this movie like seem like it was it was aimed at, at your demo, or do you say, or do you say this is a movie for guys to go out and see together? Like, who would you think it was gonna watch this movie? Exactly as you both have said, it's like seems like women's empowerment. Like, yeah, ladies, we're gonna take back power. We're gonna show those men we're not just objects. We're gonna rob them. But like at the same time, they're wearing like no clothes and they're on poles, so you know the men are gonna be like, damn, like look at that. So um, it's like you guys have said, it's for both. It's for everybody. But I did not feel that sense of real women's empowerment. It's just that's what I could tell they were going for. So, no. Strippers unite. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So our next movie, Kevin, (laughs) is Red Sea Diving Resort. Uh, Red Sea Diving Resort is an upcoming biographical drama film directed by Gideon Raff. It stars Chris Evans, Michael K. Williams, Michelle Houseman, Haley Bennett, Ben Kingsley, Alessandro Nalova, and Greg Kinnear. It's a Netflix film 
and it's scheduled to be released on July 31st, 2019. Inspired by remarkable true life rescue mission, the Red Sea Diving Resort is the incredible story of a group of international agents and brave Ethiopians who in the early 80s used a uh, deserted holiday retreat in the Sudan as a front to smuggle thousands of refugees to Israel. So what'd you guys think? I I really like the trailer. I'm unfamiliar with the story. Um, I thought it looked really emotional and like it was going to be really good. But the number one reason that I'm going to watch this is because I feel like I owe it to everyone involved to watch their story. I feel like if, you know, people go through something, it's really important that their story gets told. So I feel like regardless of how I felt about the trailer, I would still want to watch it and and see what people went through, at least through the eyes of the writer of the script. And um, it, it seemed like I would be on the edge of my seat. I am a fan of Chris Evans. Love that it's going to be on Netflix, so you don't even have to pay any extra money to see it. Uh, um, I just want to know their story. So I'm definitely going to be Netflixing it, and there's no pressure to decide whether I see it at the theater because it's on Netflix. Okay, so you're tuning in. All right, I'm so tuning in. Okay, so I'm gonna go next, and um, I I I watched the trailer, and I felt bad that I didn't know anything about this uh, uh, moment in history. I knew nothing about this story. It does seem intriguing. I also am a, a fan of uh, Chris Evans's as well uh, as an actor and as just as a person. He's been like shining through recent uh, events and with our current, you know, who president. Mm-hmm. He's been chiming in talking speaking up so he unlike scarlett johansson is on this on the side of the angels he's on the right side of history take that scarlett johansson but anyway (laughs) um um, but anyway um it looks interesting but honestly i have to say i would be more interested in this case in watching a documentary about this story as opposed to watching a fictionalized telling of this story because is this really true to what actually happened, or is this just a bunch of a- extra added drama? I- I- I'm really curious about this story now because I knew nothing about this moment in history. And so, if nothing else, this has inspired me to want to go look into the actual story and see if there is a documentary about this. Because if there is and it's on Netflix, I will definitely be tuning into that. But to this movie, not so much. What I did understand. you think? Yeah, what did you think, Tone? Oh, man. Wow. So, um, this trailer gave me the Captain America feelies, okay? Whatever film Chris Evans decided to do post-Avengers Endgame was going to get the, the, the Chris Evans Captain America booze. So you got to give the benefit of the doubt on anything that Chris Evans does after the Avengers. He's got, he has that much cred for me. And fortunately, I didn't have to give him any credit in this one because it, it was definitely something that I was definitely into from the beginning. The, the trailer just really captured perfectly, like, the Captain America vibe. Like, I really think that, that he chose either this role because it was a, it was a good segue from the last role uh, that he did in Avengers or his manager was really smart because his character definitely seemed like someone who's uh, a shining light, someone who um, portrays heroism. And the the cast as a whole, like you have a, a lot of interesting actors in this movie, and they all seem to be working towards uh, good together. The way the trailer mm-hmm. was cut was, was great because a lot of times when we have a movie that has some type of action, they want to show you, oh, look at all the action scenes, this is what happens. But this trailer actually put it right up to the line. Like, it was balls to the wall, and they were like, whoa, that's it, no more balls for you. Like, they cut it right <laughs> up the line. So... I'm really (laughs) curious to know what the hell happened. Like, they did it really well. It kind of reminded me of, like, a more, like, 
beefy, jacked up um, Fargo, not Fargo, um, Argo. It seems like Argo, but like with a twist. And I love movies that are based on real life events. And um, because it, it gives the movie a, a little bit of gravitas beyond the movie itself. you This is actually something that actually occurred, like, like Kevin was saying. Right. So I'm definitely on. Like, if this movie wasn't on Netflix, I would actually consider seeing it in the movie theater. Like, I, I really think it, it looked like a really decent movie. I love the fact that, um, like I was saying before, this, this looks like a movie that could stand on its own. It really doesn't need anything else around it. And uh, the cast that they assembles is a pretty strong cast. And I think Chris mm-hmm. Evans really um, is just shining. And you kind of see that Captain America glare still on him. So it's definitely a Netflix for me because it's on Netflix. I'm watching it. Kevin? You know, it's funny. I, I also I did think of Argo now that you mention it. Mm-hmm. And um, you actually have sold me on this movie because it is, <laughs> it is, a, it is a Ben Affleck-free Argo. And so, you oh know what? My I'm gosh. changing my rating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tune in, Tone. You won me over. Look at that. Also, also this reminds me. It, the, it gives me like an under siege type of feel. I don't know if anybody is um, old enough to have seen that movie, but like with like the intensity of the situation, like that's how I felt when I was watching Under Siege. So that's some with Steven Seagal. So that's um, something else that kind of got me really excited about watching this movie. You know what? I never saw Under Siege, but my grandmother says it was great. So. <laughs> She sighed, so. Wow. Yeah, wow. maybe I'll, I'll check it out one day. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, so what is our, what's our final victim tone? Okay. <laughs> you never saw, oh, you know what, I'm going to leave it alone. Um, <laughs> um, Cats is an upcoming 2019 British-American musical fantasy film based on the much-loved musical of the same name, Cats at the Winter Garden Theater. No, <laughs> the film is directed by Tom um, Hooper. It's um who also directed Les Mis, and um and it even has Steven Spielberg attached as executive producer. So a lot of bigwigs are in this one. The film stars um, James Corden, Judy Dench, Idris Elba, Ian McKellen, Jason Derulo, Jennifer Hudson, Taylor Swift, Rebel Wilson. And Francesca Hayward. So it's definitely a stacked cast. Um, the film is a Universal Pictures release. It's scheduled to be uh, out on December 20 of 2019. Kevin, what's the cat synopsis? A tribe of cats called the Jellicles must decide yearly which one of them will ascend to the heavy side layer and come back to a new Jellicle life. So what did you guys think of cats? Sherry, I, I'm curious to know what you think since um, I, I, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think because of the time did you see the original cat. So go ahead. I have never seen cats, but uh, it looks really cool and exciting. It's got Idris Elba. I'm a film a fan of his. Um, it's got Judy Dench and Ian McKellen and James Corden, Taylor Swift. Um, there are, <laughs> <laughs> as Tone put it, there are lots of big wigs in here. Um, like, are there too many wigs in here? Is that a possibility? Guys, I'm going to be super honest. This means nothing to me, but if it comes on Netflix and some, someone's watched, you know what? No, I know exactly when I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch this. At Christmas time, 
when there's nothing to do because it is coming out at Christmas. I believe someone said that. Um, I'm going to watch it at Christmas time because there's nothing to do and it's going to be all musical and beautiful. And then I'm going to be like, that was amazing. I can't believe I didn't want to watch this before. And then I'm going to watch it. It's a Netflix at Christmas time for me. <laughs> oh wow these these ratings are just going above and beyond all right all right i will go next um and say uh wow okay <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of why i would watch this movie first of all it's the uh, the only reason maybe is like idris elba is some kind of pimp cat Apparently, from the trailer, <laughs> I had no idea that there was cat prostitution. Oh, I guess where the term cat house comes from. So, anyway, I guess he's gonna, you know what he's doing? He's selling pussy galore. But anyway, um, wow. Uh, anyway, I don't know. This, the, there's like CGI fur on the actors, which is creepy looking. Um, Jennifer Hudson singing Memories. That sounds good, but I can, like, wait for the soundtrack to hear her sing the whole song. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks interesting. Again, much like Sherry, if I am kidnapped and tied to a chair, <laughs> and, I am, <laughs> and, my, and my captor has put me in front of a television, and, and, like, and like a clockwork orange, he's holding my eyes open and putting drops in them, <laughs> then I will watch this movie in its entirety. If that doesn't happen, I will be giving it a kill. A kill wow. I kill that I kill that cat dead. Oh, wait, there's one other reason why I might watch it. If I'm babies, if I'm house-sitting somebody that has like a bunch of puppies and I want to get their reaction to seeing it, I would probably do that and put it on YouTube. Look at these, look at these adorable puppies reacting to Taylor Swift as a cat. They're wow. losing their minds. That okay. might be a reason to watch it. Hmm. Other than okay. that, I, a hard pass again. <laughs> what about you, Tone? All I can say when I saw this was like, what the Francis is going on here? <laughs> well, we, we spoke last week uh, about a sickness that some trailers have that it, it's called overshowia. And overshowia is when, <laughs> you're, um, when your trailer shows us too much and it gives away the whole movie. Well, this trailer was able to give us two minutes and 24 seconds, and I watched it twice, have you? And I still don't know what the hell the, the damn trailer is about. So overshowia is definitely not, it's negative for overshowia. And I don't have no idea what's going on. I really don't. I went online. They were talking about, oh, this miracle CGI. Like, they could do fur like no fur before. I was creeped out. Like, they look really ambiguous looking. I actually had the experience of seeing cats live at the Winter Garden Theater. And, and it was a culmination of many years upon many years of watching cat commercials. Because if you were a New York City kid, if you grew up in New York City or you grew up in the tri-state, you know that when you were watching Saturday cartoons, you could not get through a block of Saturday cartoons without one commercial about cats at the Winter Garden Theater coming on. So when I, <laughs> when I finally had my own money, Sherry, I was like, I'm going to go watch cats because it was subliminally embedded in my brain that I had to do this as an adult. So I went to see wow. cats. It was an experience. It was like really weird. There was a lot of leg warmers. There was really a lot of there was smoke and fumes. And I walked out of that theater amazed, but not knowing what happened. And this, <laughs> <laughs> I still, if you ask me to this day, what was cats about? I have no idea. I know they had leg warmers and they danced. And a cat looked up on me, and I was like, okay. Um, 
but this movie trailer captured that magic because I don't know what the hell is going on. The aspect ratio. I don't know what's going on. The race. I was looking at the movie. I'm like, okay, it's people dressed as computer generated cats, but who are the size of cats, but inside of a house that looks like has furniture for people. So <laughs> I don't understand. It, the, the ratio of the furniture just messed me up. It was like I was I was I was on drugs or something. Because why do people who are dressed as cats are the size of little cats? Like I don't understand. No, no, that. The, oh, no well, yeah. What, what else? What, what's weird about you? are Right? Because they also show them out on the streets of London, and then they're like regular people size. But then when they're inside, they're like a little cat on a jumping up and down on a bed, and they look like a, like they're a cat size. Per, I don't. I, it's weird. And I love how you said they captured the magic of me not knowing what the hell it was about all over again. <laughs> I love how that. What a what a high bar to set. <laughs> so he's like, saying that the movie is going to be true to the play. Well, yes. first of all, it, it's, it's, people call it a musical. <laughs> it's really what I call a pop opera because there's no dialogue in it. Everything that's said is sung. It's just all a bunch of stupid, I mean, all a bunch of songs. <laughs> I watch, I tried to watch Cats on PBS when they actually did a thing of the actual musical. And even here in L.A., yes, as a child, they played many, many commercials uh, advertising Cats. And when I finally did see it as an adult, I was like, what the? And it's just like, I, I, don't, I don't do drugs. But maybe if I did, I would have found it mildly entertaining. But unless you're going to be high out of your mind, I say give this a hard pass. I completely agree with you guys. By watching the trailer, I did have that feeling of, am I on drugs? It's like a um, really trippy <laughs> experience. And I haven't gone to see the show. So, so all right. So let me say that this would be a Netflix. Is I would watch this out of curiosity, like what the hell is happening? I... Tone curiosity killed the cat, <laughs> and in this so, case, they killed know. cats also. So that's my rating for it. Um, it, it was just very trippy. And let me add one last thing. Um, th- this this movie, like they made a choice to go all futuristic CGI. But one of the things that I really uh, remember from the play was how cool the live action. Uh, I mean, the, the live action. How cool the practical cat suits, the makeup was. The makeup was amazing on these actors on, on, in the Winter Garden Theater. Like, I remember looking back and like saying, like, these are great, like, practical effects. These suits that they were wearing. So this whole CGI thing kind of like butchered the soul of that. Well, unlike Tone, I'm allergic to singing cats. All right. <laughs> so even though this is a trailer talking special, it's time for me to ask my co-host what I love to ask each and every week. So what was your favorite or least favorite thing about the past week? Sherry and Lionel. I'll go. Sure. Okay. All right. So I have a least favorite thing of the week, and it is that – um. On July 18th in um, in Kyoto, Japan, an arsonist set fire to Kyoto Animation, which is one of the most respected um, animation studios in the whole of Japan, and killed 33 people. And a lot of people are in the hospital. I'm so, so sad about this story and how I give my condolences to everyone involved and it is so sad and so horrible and the guy is in custody and is alive and it's so sad and I, I don't know what else to say. Just that's my least favorite thing of the week. Yeah, that was a really shocking and sad story. What about you, Tone? Um, 
that was very. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, I guess, change the mood because my my favorite thing of the week was um this this week as we as we said is San Diego Comic Con and it's just been like a flurry of news that have been um going online and, and so many cool things for people who um really look forward to this week like as for escapism like uh, the news broke that we're not even gonna we're gonna get not one but two different Halloween movies coming up so Jamie Lee Curtis is gonna be running around from Jason um from Michael Myers for a while. We also got the news that uh, Brandon Ralph was going to be returning um, as Superman on the annual Arrowverse crossover. And Amazon actually renewed um, The Boys, the TV series, even though it hasn't even premiered. They already renewed it for season two. So they're thinking a lot of strong things are coming out of there. So The Witcher. Wow. So uh, so much cool news. And uh, that's definitely been my favorite part of the week. Like every time I open my phone and... I, I I open my browser. There's some cool report about some new movie or some uh, something that's coming up. So um, it's been really interesting. So that's been my part of the week. What about you, Kevin? Okay, for me this week, I have a least favorite thing, and I'm even surprised that I'm saying this. But my least favorite thing it involves uh, the actor Chris Pratt. This week, he was seen while on his honeymoon wearing the Don't Tread on Me rebel flag. Um, Now, some people say that that flag uh, originally was a symbol of resistance during the Revolutionary War, but it was also adopted by the Tea Party. And in more recent years, it's been adopted by white supremacists. And um, seeing him not only wear the shirt and be defended by the usual suspects on Fox News for wearing it, but the fact that he has made no statements about it to me says all you need to know about what his feelings are because in the past there have been flare-ups about Chris Pratt uh, about the church he belongs to and about it being homophobic and not allowing gay and lesbian uh, and transgender people to be a part of the church and he released some kind of half-hearted statement basically saying that he supports people no matter what church he goes to he makes his own decisions Um, but the fact that Let's even if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that, okay, he's wearing that shirt as a symbol of, uh, you know, uh, small government or for uh, uh, as an ode to the revolutionary fighters who who uh, uh, use it as their symbol. If I was out somewhere and I wore some kind of symbol that somebody all of a sudden was saying on the news, like, oh, well, that's the symbol of the puppy kickers of America that Kevin was wearing at a premiere, I would immediately come out being like, you know what? I do not support the puppy kickers of America. I'm against puppy kicking in all kinds of ways, any shape or form it takes place in. And even if I want to hold on to my puppy kicking shirt, because I was wearing this shirt back before the puppy kickers got to it, I'm standing by it, but I'm against puppy kicking. He's saying nothing. His silence is deafening, and it tells you all you need to know. And all I could think about when I thought about his uh, church that he's a part of, All I could think is what Maya Angelou, one of her most famous quotes, when people tell you who they are, believe them the first time they tell you. And so I was a fan of Chris Pratt. I loved him. Not so much the action star Chris Pratt, but the comedian when he was on Parks and Rec. I was all about him. And last week we did a story story about uh, the one of the uh, heads of the skincare company Nivea saying that Nivea doesn't do gay. Well, Kevin Williams doesn't do Chris Pratt anymore. Well, that doesn't sound right. Anyway, I um, anyway, not a fan anymore. Not cool. 
this is not a good look in any way, shape, or form. And I believe because of the climate we're in right now and who the president is, a lot of these people feel comfortable and safe coming out of the woodwork. And anybody who thinks that him wearing that shirt isn't a message that he's giving to us all, a, a, an incredibly loud dog whistle, you need to wake the F up. Wow. Uh, all right. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here on Last Weekly, we can't do every story, but we do want to cover what you want to hear us talk about. So if you see a story during the week that you want us to recap or if you want to share your favorite or least favorite racist thing that week, let us know. We would love to hear from you. And there are a couple different ways you can do it. You can send us a voice message using the Anchor app. Just search for us last weekly and you'll find us and leave us a voice message. We would love to hear from you. You can uh, uh, give us a tweet at last weekly and we'd love a follow as well. And you can send us an old school email to lastweeklypodcast at gmail.com. There's so many ways to listen to last weekly, pretty much anywhere where podcasts are found. But there's a new place you can listen to us now. We are now available to listen on WJMS Radio. Internet radio, you want to check us out there, you can go to WJMSRadio.com. I want to thank you so much for listening to us. We appreciate you so much. And we hope you'll listen to the next episode of Last Weekly. Because the week doesn't end. Say it with me, guys. Until, Until we, we say, say so. so. Woo-hoo. Oh God, we're we're gonna get it right one day. One day. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Good. Bye.